State of the Game is part of the Talk and Golf Network, proudly supported by the Golf Society. TheGolfSociety.com.au are retailers of the best brands in golf apparel, footwear and accessories, including Ralph Lauren, Peter Miller, Travis Matthew and Jay Lindeberg. Special offers apply for Talk and Golf listeners. Visit TheGolfSociety.com.au forward slash Talk and Golf to claim your discount today. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 102 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name is Rod Murray and what matters on this episode will come as no surprise to anybody. The Distance Insight report released earlier this week and what it might mean for the game going forward. In many ways, this is an episode I suspect most of us thought we would never get to record. And while the report and summary released by the governing bodies is a positive step in the right direction, it does seem likely it's just the first step on what's going to be a very long road. Having said that, it's also difficult to imagine any way that the authorities can ever step back from the words... Golf will best thrive over the next decades and beyond if this continuing cycle of ever-increasing hitting distances and golf course lengths is brought to an end. So are we at the turning point so many of us had hoped we would one day reach, or have we just seen the first salvo in what will be a long and protracted battle for the game? Too dramatic? Let's find out. With my co-hosts, as always, two men who'd likely never admit their own important role in reaching this point, but whose contributions to this debate have been, along with several others, absolutely crucial from the US, blogger, commentator, architect, critic, author, analyst of the game, Jeff Shackleford. Jeff, good to be chatting on the episode, as I said, that to be honest, I wasn't sure we'd ever get to record. Don't blame this on Clates and I. You're part of this too. You know, you you host the show, you edit it, you put it out, you have opinions. Come on, I pre- I press record and I leave it to the doyens. Anything I may know, I only know because of you two. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, no, but I do think it important. Not just you and Clayton, you know, lots and lots of people have been on about this for a long time, and it's good to see actually, Shaq, that there has been listening going on. It didn't seem like it for a long time, clearly, but they've clearly been listening for a long time, which is fantastic. Uh, from this hemisphere on the Bellarine Peninsula, where we're both at the Vic Open this week, though separated by a few kilometres this morning, commentator, analyst, one third of the Clayton DeVries and Pont architecture firm, Mike Clayton. Clates, I think I speak for an awful lot of people when I say that I, like many others, am very keen to hear what both you and Jeff have to say in light of the distance report earlier this week. Is, is Has anybody raised any other topic with you since the report came out on Tuesday our time? Oh, not really. No, it's been that. Well, you have to say that it doesn't seem many of the players at the Vic Open have read it or even know that it exists. Oh, you're... No. no yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. No, they don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that actually might affect their, their playing future within a year or two from now, and they don't even know what's going on. So. Um, They'll know anyway, soon that, enough, won't a- they? <laughs> I think, Clates. They'll be getting it, I would imagine. They will start to get their information shortly from others with a vested interest in this debate who perhaps don't agree with us, you would think. Yeah, they'll, they'll perhaps get a list of talking points from the manufacturers. Uh, should we start with Paul Casey? Ridiculous notion that all the Settle down there, champ. We'll, we'll get to all of it. Don't, don't panic. <laughs> no, no. We, won't, we won't miss anyone that you've got in the crosshairs. Jeff, just in case anybody's been living under a rock, I know you've been on about 450 podcasts since the report yeah, was yeah. released. Yes, a lot so of that's people, why we're doing another one. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, but I know that a lot of people have turned to you because you've been across this right from the very start. Can you give us a quick thumbnail sketch? The report's 102 pages. The summary's about six or seven pages of what it says. What, what are going to be the main talking points? With this sort of document, there's always, for all of that, there's always two or three key things that come out of it. What's your sense so far of what people have uh, seem to have understood and what the, perhaps they've misunderstood? Yeah, I do apologize for oversaturating the podcast market, but I, I as I discussed with Kyle Porter on his podcast uh, for CBS Sports, there are and he, can't, he tries to keep his show short, so there are so many layers to this that it, it is a, just an incredible topic, but I think that you can whittle it down really pretty simply if you read uh, the is it fifteen page summary? I you know getting into the report is something for lawyers and and maybe some players and different people who you know it's interesting like on Twitter you have people come to you with questions and and it's easy to now say well go to the report because they do address some of these more nuanced things that people are getting at, which is fantastic. But 
I think in a nutshell, the statement really uh, that the the conclusions they first uh, uh, suggest you read is a beautifully written uh, document because it really gets to the heart of of them taking a position with some very strong language and hitting on the things that we know are the two most important elements of this, which are uh, changes in the skills needed to play golf at a high level. Uh, and then the impact on golf courses, both in the professional or elite game, and then how that, um, what's the word, how, how that, that sort of uh, leaks down. down. Yeah. yeah, filters down, thank you, to the everyday game, both for uh, logical reasons and for, for irrational reasons. Many of them are, are irrational, and it's hard for the people who put this together to to tap into too much, but we know, and we've talked about it for years on this show, that 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 the the average everyday golf course tries to do things to match the professional game or what people see on television, or to to appease elite players who always have a disproportionately loud voice, and so they touch on some of those things in this as well. Um, that you know the business issues for a course at sixty three hundred yards. So there there are so many layers, but the statement really gets it down to we're tired of this this uh, cycle of expansion we don't think it's a good idea and we are now ready to look at the different ways to put an end to that for the good of the sport and uh, it's exactly what you'd hoped for except i guess the only downside is that they do lay out, and unfortunately, on the conference call, I was not allowed to ask a question. I I, I was in the queue three times, and uh, I was I was not um, I was not even though they let one writer ask five questions, uh, I I did not get through. But the one question then is so so they they take this position stronger position than I think um, some of us even would have imagined in terms of some of the language, which I think Rod, you you said you. You know, things like break the cycle of increasingly longer hitting distances, strong stuff like that. The question then is, is is one of timing. And they do lay out the timing that they have in mind. And you can see a scenario where this is a long way off from, from, from seeing real action. And so that's the one element in this that I uh, do think is, is not very exciting to the people who, who say, okay, I've read your, your summary, your report. I agree. Now we have to wait this long, possibly years, to see this in action. And and if you listen to those other pods, and we can, and I'd be curious what Clay thinks too. But I think there are scenarios which we've discussed on these shows before, where they're opening the door to somebody else uh, expediting the possible actions that would be needed to uh, address what they have laid out in the reports. Interesting. We will explore some of that later. There's a bunch of issues to explore, as you suggest. I suppose the starting point for me, though, Shaq, will come to you in a minute, Clates. It has to be said, I haven't read the whole 102-page report. I've I've read most of the 15-page summary. We've been pretty busy down here this week. It's extremely thorough, which makes you wonder Mm. how long they've been working on this for, and it's only a niggling point. It's a silly little point, but do you reckon this has been – in the works at the same time as we've heard from the governing bodies over time, we don't see that there's an issue. I do, but but remember, they've been doing these these yearly distance looks, and so obviously a lot of the work they've done on those has been incorporated or they've had files where they're saying, okay, that, that raises a, a topic, and let's, uh, let's look at that. And they've probably made a list or have uh, whiteboards full of things that they decided to track as they watched things happen or they got feedback from people. Um, so I don't think that, um, I mean, I don't think there was some rogue operation uh, down Sub- in the basement. <laughs> a subset that of was, the USGA. Uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> Project, uh, Project Vancouver <laughs> Phase yeah. 2 uh, with some code name that was um, a secret. I just think that they, as they started monitoring this they had more people in the leadership of both organizations with more open minds let's let's be honest um david fay and peter dawson did not have open minds and therefore had people around them who who maybe were very smart but did not 
keep an open mind on this topic, and they have since moved on. And by the way, David Fay has changed his views on this uh, since he's left, as he's as he's played everyday golf and and sees what's going on. But as those new people came in, Mike Davis, Martin Slumbers, and then you talk to the people around them, and you just get none of the old um, sort of uh, resistance or, or or borderline rudeness about the topic. You get a sense that there are a lot of interesting thinkers who have had an open mind, which has then led to this uh, to these uh, these conclusions. And and so it's, uh, but they still have a lot of interesting, bizarre. Uh, people to report to <laughs> who who uh, who ultimately have to make the decisions and, and deal with this who may not still be quite in the same camp but that's how these things go yeah I love I love that notion that picture you've painted of a sort of a forensic operation in a file you know, <laughs> bifurcation versus rollback for all I can and I think you're right I can see that that is exactly how they would have laid it out which is the way to go about it Clates, what was your gut reaction um, uh, when you sort of first heard, read, opened the document, read the first few lines, I suppose the first thing you probably wanted to do was send an invoice to the RNA and the USGA because I'm sure I've read all of what they said before in various columns of yours and Shaq's and others, it has to be. So what was your gut reaction? And with a few days to think about it, you've written a couple of pieces about it. You've been out and caddied for an elite player in the Vic Open since it came out with this at sort of front of mind. Uh, just some of your sort of initial thoughts on on what, what has happened to this point. What we might see unfold is what we'll explore shortly. Well, it's about time. I mean, clearly, been bang on about this. For, when did you start your list on your blog, Shaq? Twenty years ago. Your, you know, your list of people who were. Yeah, the list. I the, think that yeah. I started it when I published the Future of Golf. So it's 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 uh, seventeen, sixteen, seventeen years. Yeah. So and there are a lot, a lot of uh, names to add to that too now. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a long time coming. It's too late, but better late than never. And the real question is, what are they actually going to do about it? You know, are they really go- are they going to throw this in the cupboard and let it gather dust, or are they? You know, the thing that interests me was how they got around. I think that the potential threats of lawsuits to the manufacturers is the the local rule part of it, where they say that competition can can invoke a local rule that involves playing with different balls and clubs. So the question is, do the U.S. Open and the Open Championship invoke the local rule in 2021 and say to the players, well, here's what you're going to play with. Is that the way it's going to roll out? Which to me is the key. Because there is no point having this thing and then having it sit there for years and years as the manufacturers keep making the ball go longer and longer. And, you know, if they wait a decade, what are you rolling it back to? You're going to roll it back to now where it's still clearly going too far or do you roll it back to 2020? 2000 or 1995. I wonder whether whether it can be quite so specific, Shaq. Where do you roll it back to on some of those questions? They're not addressed in the report. What you can't address in the report is what do you do with the science from here for what you might produce, for what you might make the game look like. I'm somewhat sympathetic, I think, Clates, to the notion of, and I know that you're one, as are many, who say, right, good, let's get on with it. Let's do it for this year's Open. Uh, But I feel like you don't want to commit political suicide. If the document is about the future of the game in 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years, taking a year or two years or three years, 10 years is too long, I think, a decade, as you suggest there. That's too long. But taking a couple of years to get it right has some merit, don't you think, Clates? This yeah, will impact the game forever going forward. Yeah, you clearly can't do it for this year's Open. Mind you, if you said to the manufacturers, there are no restrictions on what you can do now, you can bet they'd be ready. You can bet all the money in the world they'd be ready for this year's Open with a ball that goes 400 yards. You know that's true. Absolutely true. They can't claim that we can't get this ready because, of course, they can get this ready. But you're right. You don't want to do it for this year's Open. But I don't see any reason why it's 18 months from now. Hmm. They can't be ready with, with, with a ball and a club that brings back long irons into golf and people say well that's you know, I'll, I'll throw a statue at it but the reality is that a lot the only way he plays at long irons now is in on on 550 yard plus par fives and 250 yard plus par threes mm. i mean the long line is completely extinct from golf except off the tee of some of the, <laughs> well, <laughs> the yeah. clubs you laid out yesterday for blake collier at the vic open when put next to the length of the holes was confronting for the amateur player. Well, the course was, you know, I, I didn't realise how short the course was because it's windy, so it always seems like it plays longer than it does. But 
It's 6,800 yards, which is a very puny golf course by today's standards, which is another important thing that this report addresses, as Shaq mentioned before, that you know the RNA and the USJ are trying to defend the legitimacy of 6,000 to 6,500-yard golf courses. So they're seen as being legitimate golf courses. Mm. Not, not for the pros. That, no, that recreational but, players are saying, I won't join that club because that course is too short. It's not a proper golf yeah. course. And that's a real which thing. I, yeah, which I thought was a great point they made. Mm. But yeah. 6,800 yards, I mean, the, I'm counting for a kid called Black Collier who shot 68 yesterday, tied for 30th, mind you. Um, he had a six iron into a par four. Every other par four was, I think he might have hit one nine iron, maybe. Every other par four was a wedge. So, so the, the, the test is utterly diminished. On a course of that length, and it needs, you know, it needs another thousand yards to get back to where golf was in 1969, where Arnold Palmer was hitting all those, you know, the average of four iron at Champions in 1969 in in one round. One hundred and one players out of the one hundred and forty-four under par yesterday. It's not the even pars, but under par (laughs) in minus figures. One hundred and one of the one hundred and forty-four in what's not an elite of the elite field. We've we've not got the biggest names in European golf here. Shaq, back to this timing issue. I think it's one that uh, it really will intrigue a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to be very impatient. What's your take? The the next step of this is political, isn't it? They've made a statement, and there now needs to be a process of stakeholders, much as I hate the word, being involved in what we do next. What's your sense of what sort of time frame the USGA and the RNA might want? They don't indicate it in the report, but you'd think they'd have something in mind. Uh, and, and, and is that realistic? How long do you think before we might see something that resembles a rolled back game at some level? Yeah, stakeholders is an odd word right now. Uh, <laughs> somebody used that this morning and I started to because I mentioned uh, a company, and I started to write back, and I just didn't want to get in, in the argument uh, or to get the company coming after me. But to be a stakeholder in the game, uh, which I I would like to view the the, the manufacturers as as stakeholders, except for the fact that um, they do so little to actually give back to the game in terms of uh, any time with their profits ever doing anything the way other organizations, pro golf tournaments governing bodies, et cetera, et cetera, uh, have foundations and are doing projects and where they're actually tangible things they're, they're doing for the sport. And I understand a corporation is not uh, in, encouraged to do so, but it is if you really look at the golf companies and you want to have some empathy for them if this were to, to, to eat into profits in, in this case, they just don't have a whole lot to point to. I mean, Callaway does some nice things for for uh, military, and and they're getting involved in this uh, Steph Curry initiative at at uh, Howard University. Uh, but it is a it is a short uh, list. Titleist does a few things. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. So their their voice in this, and and what you into your question, it's 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 political and it's legal. I mean, it's let's be clear. This report is done to address a lot of things and get in front of some things should this get to a case of of having to make a legal argument um for for this action because of uh of of various issues with with the future of the sport and they don't do a whole lot on safety that i've seen yet um but as to the timing i you know so my my sense is we're going to have this uh, whining period for the next year of listening to everybody uh, complain about the solutions, and it's just a, ne- a necessity. They have to do it, and uh, out of that will come some nice ideas, though, or there may come some consensus. I mean, I think you look at the number of players who have come around since these we've been doing this podcast. It's still not nearly uh, unanimous, but it's it's impressive how many. I mean, Padraig Harrington. I'm so far behind on blog posts, but yeah, just comes right out wearing his Titleist hat, calling for a rollback. Justin Thomas, they had some sound on Golf Channel the other night saying, you know, eventually something's just going to have to be done because of the way we're swinging at the ball and hitting it and the way we're playing and, and knowing enough about golf to know it's just just not you know, right. And that was before he dismantled Medina, and which which it has come up a lot uh, in, in all this as a... Uh, from from people noting that was a turning point for for some other people last summer when when uh, that that was sort of dismantled by the players, um, but anyway we'll we'll see on the timing in terms of 
of the, the this is sort of a normal process for these governing bodies with an equipment change. Uh, but I think you you'll, you probably know my my theory is that um, somebody will lose patience, and I I did write about this in. The future of golf, page one sixty five. Actually, to be <laughs> honest, Which you just have, uh, to, have, to have handy with very well. I, you know, when you started <laughs> when you started talking about the local rule, I went, oh, you know, I need to go back and make sure I did write about that in the book, uh, and I did uh, the local rule concept because we've certainly talked about it on the show. I know, and it's never been clear to me why that was so complicated. But I, it's in my classic course ball concept that, and I still think this could happen where we're going to have the model soft spikes where someone, a Pine Valley or a Cypress Point, some place with a cachet and influential members and uh, the right set of people will will approach whoever it is who, who, who first makes this ball, or as I've laid out to various companies and they just you know look at you like you're nuts, the first company that makes this ball, let's say it's a ball, um, and does it right? I mean, that to me, I think, is really the key. And I keep writing back to people on this on on Twitter, talking about the things that are in the report, the things they found, and the and the way you tweak it. And, and to what you guys were just talking about, if it's not done right, um, and it's a it's a it's a like the floater ball back in Max Bear's day, <laughs> some people didn't like the way it, it it flew. You know, we really need something that that performs in a lot of ways that we've become accustomed to. But it just at those those ridiculous uh, clubhead speeds doesn't give this disproportionate uh, example. You you want to keep long hitters long, and I believe if done right, they will actually get their advantage restored. Things like that. So that is the benefit of the time. But I think that we know every company has made a ball already to be ready for this. Uh, one company has a lot more in the way of patents than others. Um, and so they've tested balls. They've, they, they've already, that's the one I sort of frustrating, insulting notion of all this. That's not a, in the report. You know, they had a, they had a tournament with, with a ball like this. They have results. Um, and it's just obvious they're trying not to zero in only on the golf ball, both for, uh, legal reasons. And I think also for, um, the, the, the reasons that they stayed in the report, they found a couple of different things that that really have led to where we are today again for the elite Mm -hmm. player and so there may be a multi-pronged approach on this and that's the benefit of the time however i think there's a very good chance that someone someone will lose patience and say okay they basically said this is where we're going there's a local rule component this company makes that ball would you call them up and tell them we'd like to buy um you know, a thousand uh, boxes, a thousand cases of them, or whatever it is, and we're going to use them in the so and so cup and in the so and so invitational. Who are you thinking, Shaq? Would it be a, a golf association or somewhere you think, or a particular Could course? Be, I think it's going to be an elite course. You know, remember, so soft spikes came into golf because famous elite golf courses started making you wear them when you came to play there. Riviera here had bad greens in the '95 PGA. They made you change your spikes out. The, the the locker room guys would literally sit there and have to change people's shoes out. And then within a few years, guess what? Soft spikes were the the or 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 metal spikes were gone, or, or almost completely phased out. And now they are. And that was a product of these elite courses saying, "Hey, you want to play here? You have to play by our rules." And that will happen. Um, in this case too, I think it'll be hard. It'll be more gradual because you'll still have the average golfer that says, well, I don't play that. And I get it. Um, but it starts with elite players, elite courses. And, uh, and there are a lot of people in that world who are, who are of the mindset now that, that this is, uh, the right thing it. to do. Get on with it. Yeah. No, yeah. Not- get on with it. Yeah. Like life's too short. Let, yeah. This is where we're headed. Let's do it, and uh, let's let's uh, do our part. And so I think that's the interesting component in this uh, that could circumvent the time or or change the way things uh, play out. 
The nails aren't quite completely dead, Shaq. Christina Kim wears them, and I was following her down a concrete path yesterday. Yeah. And what a joy that was to listen to it a is. sound a that we haven't sound. heard. We haven't it heard such a great sound for yeah. uh, for a very long time. Clates, uh, Shaq touched on it there. Not just the ball. How many drivers did Blake Collier hit yesterday? The big-headed driver must take an awful lot of the responsibility for the distances and the trajectories we see the pros hit off the tee in particular. Is it a club that? the players are using that much anymore. Certainly not this week, is it? We hit five yesterday because it it's tight-ish and it's very painful if you miss. And he doesn't need it. So he hit five. But um, let me you know, Hale Irwin or Lee Trevino or Peter Thompson or Graham Marsh would have hit ten at least. You know, I mean, there are a couple of shortish par fours where you can hit four irons off the tee, but you know, there are holes that these guys see as being too tight, too penal if you missed it. So they they take two irons and hit. Well, I mean, the second hole was slightly downwind yesterday, but his two iron ran out to 290 metres, so 320 yards. So why, why do you need to do a driver? Mm. But he was five, but Graham Marsh would have hit 10 yesterday out of 14 driving holes, I would think. Indeed, and in fact, we'll get to watch a bit more golf over the weekend. It'll be interesting to see how many drivers the women hit, Clates, and I think it would be a whole lot more. Well, they just hit a lot of strings, so they're hitting driver on, 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 on almost every hole. Even on the short holes, that's right, where they don't necessarily you know, need it. Hmm. Jeff Ogilvy said on Sunday night, so young you hit the ball 30 yards longer, she'd be winning majors on the men's tour. And it's true. I mean, you know, as accurately as they play, if they, if they only had the power, I mean, the men wish they could hit the, the ball as straight as the women do. But, of course, they don't because it goes so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the increments change, don't they? If you hit it two degrees offline at 120 miles an hour, club head speed, it goes a lot further offline than if you hit it two degrees offline at 105 miles an hour. I think that's kind of the thinking. Who would make the equipment, Shaq? Are we going to look at the big manufacturers? Is it the brand names that we know that we won't specifically mention? Will they be making this new ball and these new clubs? Or are there others in that space who are less well-known or not known at all? at the moment. That's an intriguing one for me. If you're going to institute the rule about a subset of equipment, there better be a whole subset of equipment ready to go. Right. I think it's going to be a smaller uh, outfit. There have been a couple of interesting ball makers to surface in, in the last uh, year or two that have gotten very good reviews for the quality of their product. Uh, and then I and then on Bridgestone is obviously the one to watch because it's, it's believed they're the ones who have uh, developed a ball uh, for the uh, governing bodies to test. So whether that ball could be sold, packaged and sold, uh, is another story because there are so many patents and different things out there. Um, so those would be the – that to me is the is the, the big companies are going to uh, dig in. Um, and I, and I you know, as we've discussed ad nauseum here, I – I uh, I don't I don't understand why. Obviously, in the case of Titleist, and uh, I've been very clear on that 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 they have the market uh, and the trust of the customer. So, uh, and then by the way, I'm sure they're ready to, but they don't want to, and they'll fight it for for also understandable reasons uh, because change is scary and and uh, and it's an unknown in some ways. But it's it to me. It's really a very the, the unknown component is very minor because of the trust and relationship they've built with their their customer, their fan, whatever you want to call it, their loyal users of their ball. And those people still are going to have to buy a ball to play golf. And I've always felt like if if the if the golf ball is seen as having been tinkered with. Uh, it only strengthens the fact that they're already established as a leader. So, um, so I don't get their stubbornness, never have, and and have no problem telling them that. Um, but that's their their choice as a business. So I and I think the other big companies are just afraid, you know, to to be seen as the one that, as much as they're also afraid to be uh, make non-conforming equipment, they also don't want to be the one that that uh, created something that went backwards. Yeah. Um, which is why I've always liked the changing the size of the ball. And I think the dimple pattern as the report really gets into some, some fascinating things on aerodynamics and dimple patterns. It's pretty, it's, it's hard to, I had to read it a few times and I'm still not totally clear on a couple things, but it, it makes a case 
that that there's something to be done just on the number of dimples that could prob- probably make the difference <laughs> alone. Yeah. yeah. It's an incredible – we won't get into it. It is an incredible scientific achievement, the modern golf ball, <laughs> leaving aside your thoughts about what it can do. As a ballistic missile that's hit with a yeah. – it's an incredible scientific achievement and to be congratulated for that. Let's turn our attention a bit to the reaction to the report. And, Clates, I want to set you loose here. I'm going to take the leash off and <laughs> let you talk about uh, your thoughts on some of the reactions we saw. Paul Casey – well, I'll let you. I'll let you talk about Paul Casey and Phil Mickelson, two who I think have particularly offended you with their response to what's been <laughs> talked about this week. Well, Casey, who's taught by Peter Costas, who is Wally Elon's best friend, as I understand, um, for the preposterous notion that it's all the fault. Uh, I'm going to get an email for that from Wally, just for yeah, that alone. Okay. I don't know. Best friend might be strong, but but uh, Peter okay. is a loyal titleist man. Yeah. So. <laughs> And Casey is taught by him, so no doubt he's been influenced by his, I suspect, in his clearly ridiculous notion that it's all the fault of developers who just want to sell more real estate so they can make <laughs> holes longer, so they can sell more houses. Two houses per hole, I think, was the other two houses yeah. per hole. And, yeah. Well, two, two on either side, so four houses. Okay. Um, so as a, as a reaction for that, the ball companies were forced to make the ball go longer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean that is the world is flat. <laughs> Notion. PGA Tour player as victim, Clates. You don't think that's going to fly anywhere in the world? I mean, I think he's, Paul Casey is smarter than that. I would hope he's Oh, he's definitely smarter. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mickelson. Billy Horschel, Billy Horschel coming out with that position was a perfect uh, on brand, perfect fit. But Casey, that was a little disappointing as somebody who is, I think, one of the smartest players out there and, and one of the best students of the game and lover of architecture and art. It was, it was a strange one. It was a little disappointing. Well, I'm going to have a the, chat with him. Yeah, Horstel was the guy who said years ago that um, no no rollback because that means less profits for manufacturers and that means less money for us. So yeah. as if the game's really... At least really he was honest. Use, Billy, yeah. Well, well, at, at least he's honest. Absolutely. And, and to his credit, indeed. And he does engage in the discussion. His position is clearly wrong, but he does engage in the discussion. I think he actually yeah. believes so that he hasn't yet taken up your... Invite to come and play down here, Clates. I think if he did, he's one who might be convinced of the error of his ways if he saw what uh, what it is that you could show him if he came down. Anyway, uh, so Paul Casey, on to Phil Mickelson. And then Mickelson, who's taken millions and millions of dollars from companies telling us how much better the equipment is and how much further the ball's going, has, <laughs> has now come out and said it actually hasn't made much difference at all. Well, really, Phil? You know, I mean... I know he's smarter than that too, but he even he must see the incongruity in that position. That you know, you can't argue that he. I mean, he's but he's played through the through every era. No doubt, he started playing with wood. And he's gone through the small drivers and the the ballada ball all the way through. So he's seen the whole thing, and you couldn't possibly argue that the game hasn't changed beyond imagination, really. Mm. So, so they were the two most bizarre reactions. But, but my. Mike. Well, I don't leave out our our, our former uh, friend in bifurcation, Brandel Shambly. Well, hang oh, on, no, I might have missed Shambly. Who has left? Oh. Who, who has left our camp again? Oh. This is nothing that this is nothing that can't be fixed by raising the moral oh, height. Rough. I mean, I mean he has ways. he has no credibility left at all. I mean, he's switched so many times. He's changed underpants more times than <laughs> pick your favourite. You know. Uh, anyway, um, it's just. Bizarre, his position. I mean, no one could believe a word he says anymore. Surely, can they, Shaq? Well, you, you can't sort of yeah. follow his position, can you, Shaq? That's the he's, he's yeah. It's hard to do. Phil Phil's the surprising one in that he has made comments in in the last few years where you felt like he was coming around in that he realized the equipment was working so well that it was. Uh, and I need to go back and find those comments now, so I don't uh, incorrectly paraphrase them. But that he was sensing what we would hope that he would sense, and the tiger has figured out now that that people, uh, uh, very very good golfers, are being uh, elevated at times by the equipment to his level as somebody uh, who's a, who's who's been a, a very consistent in his ability to strike the ball in the center of the face, it may not go straight, but he, 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 his swing repeats, different things like that. The things that Adam Scott gets mad about. Um, 
and that that the, the the skill argument that's really addressed in this that that Phil was sensing people were being elevated uh, slightly above their level and it was muddying the waters a little. And he was a, he was coming around, and so so, so why this, would he take this stance? Like it's an interesting one. Doesn't doesn't do him any favors with Callaway, who pay him. You would think no. The, no I guess couldn't I, have been happy. Uh, and Phil's we know Phil's not silly. What is he playing at? What could possibly be his agenda? He's taken a stance that pleases nobody. I uh, I think he just has such a loathing for the USGA uh, that he, he won't even he won't even accept thinking. an invite to play to well, play I, in the I, US Open, yeah. which I. I, a lot of I people get were surprised. Yeah, I wasn't surprised by that no. at all. He's a man. He has a lot of pride. Yeah, and he wants. If if he were to do that, it would be sort of accepting that he's he's lost something. And in his mind, he just came off a third place finish. He's been struggling, and he wants to go out and earn that spot. And I think also that next year, Torrey Pines would be the place that he would accept it as sort of a hometown. Uh, event kind of thing but it, I, I think in his mind it's all about pride and i admire that i, I wasn't surprised in the least that he he would i and i i wouldn't be surprised uh, if he showed up at a qualifying a sectional somebody thought i was nuts when i said that. Like, are you kidding that's the most phil thing yeah uh, ever and he he knows enough about the history of the sport that some the uh, guys used to have to do that for the u.s open big names and uh Clayton, didn't, didn't uh hogan have to qualify wasn't there one just insane one where somebody was uh, either defending or a multiple winner? Well, in, in- Hogan had to qualify for the Open when he went over, but, oh, okay. but everyone had, to, yeah, but, but everyone had to. Qualify I feel like there was a U.S. Open one, anyway. So, but either way, um, it's 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 um, it's it's really, I think, ultimately his loathing for for the USGA, and, and he just can't get that out of his mind and, and separate them from this uh these findings and and what's and and he did concede let's give him this after that quote that uh, he is not really in tune with a lot of the other issues that they're raising in terms of golf courses in the everyday game so he did at least throw that caveat out that he he conceded that's not his his expertise, but again, he's just a, these guys have read so many of their clippings about the workout work, and I get it. They're putting a lot of time in. He's put a lot of time into to, to taking care of his body and getting in unbelievable shape at this age. Um, but it's clouded their judgment that they've been convinced that they're all ready to show up at an NFL combine and could make a team. And it's it's um, it's just it's just the, the sport needs to be so much more than than a, a speed contest. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Continuing a bit with the reaction idea, Shaq, the key players in this are going to be, apart from the players themselves and the equipment manufacturers, the PGA Tour and the PGA of America, or tours around the world, but the PGA Tour will cop the brunt of it. They are the biggest, and you get the feeling that <clears throat> that uh, they're the most influential. Have we got any indication as yet? I did see a headline, though, didn't get to read the story, on your website about yeah. some sort of reaction from the tour and the PGA, uh, how important are they in what's going to happen going forward? And have we got any early indication of what their stance is? Well, I, I, I wrote another post since you saw that one this morning, assessing the, the, the positioning of the five families of golf, because I reached out to Augusta National. I noticed nobody had asked them for comment or they had not issued a statement and they had no updated point of view, but they did point me to uh, Chairman Ridley's past press conferences where he addresses and, and you so I put those up and I assessed where where we stand I don't count the LPGA tour and European tour as having votes um, and they're just not uh, up to the level of the other five I think in terms of influence um, the PGA tour is all over the place they had a great statement after this came out kind of what you'd hope we're gonna keep assessing we, we kind of an open mind sort of thing. And then they came out with a statement to Rex Hoggard yesterday that, uh, kind of reverted to some of their stuff of, you know, we think the game's never been more exciting because of distance and, uh, hint, hint. We just, we just believe that's what's selling our sport. And so the PGA of America declined comment when I asked them on the distance report, which I considered progress as well, since they've taken a position that, our, our, our pros, the, the five left who still own their golf shop and, uh, and sell equipment, would be hurt by this. And uh, they've now 
just gone to no comment, which is which is wise. So, uh, you know, the thing I'd love to know from 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 Clates having uh, played through the small ball uh, era, uh, the British ball, what what? Because I posed the question, so okay, so Augusta, USGA, and RNA uh, make a decision, and they just the tours decide they're just not going to go with it, but. Obviously, they have the three most important championships in the game, and the players will, if they want to play in them, will have to play by those equipment rules. Whether it's whatever it is, ball, different driver face, uh, uh, dynamics, etc. Uh, is that is that doable? I mean, tennis is doing it right now, where they have a different ball, but uh, but that's not the player's individual piece of equipment. Uh, both players have to use the ball in tennis and golf, your ball and your driver, your fit to your needs. Do you think Clates it's manageable that we would have a scenario like that where those three majors play one way and the other ones do whatever they want? Well, we already had that with the open for years. Well, that's what I mean. So do you think it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, could it happen course. again? Yes. Yeah, so, so Nicholas and Palmer and player and Devlin and Crampton and Dave Hill and Dave Stockton and Roberto Divacenza and all the other guys who came to Australia in the 60s and 70s all played the small ball. They just came. And in fact, they all played with contracted Schlesinger clubs as well. So Nicholas and Palmer would come down and use a different set of clubs when they played there. They used their own woods, I think. In fact, Palmer didn't because he gave one to a friend of mine. But um, yeah, they just, they switched weekly when they came here. Well, not weekly, but when, certainly when they came to Australia and played in Britain, they, they used different balls and often different clubs. So it's clearly doable. Um, you know, I just – clearly, you know, it's up to the, the, the three majors. Who knows what the PGA will do? I, you assume they would fall in line with the other three. But if they just mandate that here's what you're going to play with, then what can titles do about that? Can they pull their players out of the open? Of course that's not going to happen. You reckon? How convinced are you? <clears throat> the doomsday scenario here, Clates, for me is, of course, not all players are going to pull out of the Open or the Masters or the US Open. If they can convince the key players, if there's going to be a war well, over who, who's going to own the game. There is only one key player. Tiger <laughs> plays they play. If Tiger pulls out, that's a different story. Tiger's, it, it, it advantages him. Why would he complain about it? What yeah, do you reckon, he may Chuck? already be playing a ball that that is Possibly, yeah. closer to these the, the, to the dynamics um, that that are needed than anybody else in the world. I don't know enough about the actual ball he's playing, but um, and it, and he has a new ball this year. Uh, but he he already has always been he's always been playing the the uh, out uh, well if you want to call it outdated technology with a golf ball. Uh, because he wants to be able to move the ball and he wants certain characteristics. Um, but yeah, he, he certainly is a, an influential voice, but I don't think he's as powerful. This is the one time I don't think he's as powerful uh, as he can be in other areas as Augusta National is in this case. Because uh, I want uh, yeah. to me, to me that's the doomsday scenario, and it's a position you'd hope that none of these people would ever be put in. But I think there is a set of players who, if they could be, if they could be convinced to side with, if 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 you made it a binary war between the the USJRNA and, and those on that side and, and the manufacturers and the PGA too, if you could convince a certain set, I think that would be extremely powerful. And I'm not convinced that they wouldn't be open to it because we've seen Jeff, as you've sort of uncovered with this. Premier Golf League, at the very top echelons of the game, there is a feeling that they're underpaid. Yeah, and who knows? And and, and by the way, several of those players uh, that, that are in that mindset, you know, at, uh, that that could be eligible for the Premier Golf League as a as a founder, uh, are players who don't have strong uh, stances on this, or have budged, or have shown an open mind, or flat out think something needs to be done. Phil, now, I have no idea. I mean, it, it could go day to day, but Adam Scott, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, those guys right there uh, are are all in on on, um, on, a, on a remedy. I don't know if they would agree uh, on the golf ball. I, I don't know if Adam would, but I don't think he would, but uh, he might come around on that. But uh, So, yeah, so there is that, that possibility that 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 group uh, could could force the change that way. Uh, and by the way, the Premier Golf League, just to keep in mind something else, 
the official world golf rankings are a big part of whatever fight may happen related to that. If they were to break off and create this tour and the rankings that are put together by the five families, uh, could be an instrument to protect the PGA tour from, from, um, uh, well, in terms of continuing to give points to their events and not points to these events, which is something that's very important for the major championships and the major championships could, could continue to give the tour leverage by saying, we're only giving points to PGA tour events and, and we're going to continue to make up our field, uh, in part by those rankings. Now, if the tour is going to go and fight Augusta National, the USGA, the RNA, their partners in the world rankings, um, then those dynamics could really change. And those organizations, if, the, if you follow, could say, oh, no, we're going to give the Premier Golf League uh, points, too. We're all in favor of that. They have the best players. We have to give them points. And they could completely dismantle the pga tour uh, by doing so so there's the that element in this discussion uh at the table of the five families is is another fun component to those of us on the outside who are watching all of this stuff play out yeah, now, did that make sense now hang on shack this, there's a movie in this so you're suggesting <laughs> that augusta national the usj and the rna convinced the premier golf league to play with well, roll, that far. No, to play with rolled back equipment no. so that they can then I was strictly the speaking tour. about the rankings. Yes. Uh, interesting. Here's but some- now wouldn't it be interesting though if the Premier League came out and said our league will um, probably invoke this endorse the local rule concept and 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 frankly it would be a smart business move on their point because the one thing mm. they have not I don't know if they've really mapped out how few golf courses there are to host tournaments at and you if you could open up uh, other venues by taking 8% off of drives and 10% and the and and the footprint changes um they they would open up some doors to other places that that uh, that are not currently available or who are, that have been lost, so there's so many dynamics yeah. in with that added to this equation. But forget that for a moment. Just think about the rankings mm-hmm. and 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 how the tour needs things to to protect themselves. And they have this pension, they have the official world ranking, and if the, their partners in the ranking, and they are they're openly hostile to the current setup of the ranking. They're either developing a new one or they are fighting to have it uh, recalibrated to give the PGA Tour uh, more strength in the in the numbers. So if they're advocating all those things host- in a hostile way and hostile on the golf ball thing, they could put these their partners in the five-family uh, group in a very tough position and not a very sympathetic one. It's uh- <laughs> Reminds me of my favourite saying of Huggies. You're not really in the golf business. You've got at least three conflicts of interest. Yeah. <laughs> great yeah. Clay, sure. so I, I ran into a player down here that you know well, Ash Hall, a lovely bloke, yeah. bloke a, 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 a lovely golfer to watch, actually. I was watching him around the chipping green. It was just beautiful. He's a little bump six irons up the hill and down the other side to, uh, to the things. And I was having a chat to him, and he reminded me of something that he said hasn't been brought up with this Premier Golf League and the releases for players and those sorts of things. And that was he and Matt Griffin, and I can't remember that. I think there were five players in total, successfully went to court. They were Asian tour players. They did. They in 2013, did. 14, I'm going to say who went to play the One Asia Tour were told if they played the One Asia Tour, they would no longer be allowed to play on the Asian Tour because it was a rival tour in the in the region. And they successfully sued the Asian Tour that that was a restraint of trade as independent contractors. And he said, nobody's brought that up with this Premier They group. did. It's very that's interesting, true. isn't it? Yeah. Mm, that's yeah, true. So, they did. Uh, Matt Griffin, two shots off the lead at the Vic Open. Well done, mate. In fact, he led until the last five or ten minutes of the day, Clates, when Canizari's birdied the last two holes. Uh, just what the press room loves. Mind you, they're oh, impressive. Yes. But, <laughs> um, the leader in the last group at 8.30 at night. That's exactly right. Chuck out that entire story and start again. Does that make any sense to you, Shaq? That, so that case was quite quite high-profile down here. They're not super uh, high-profile players, but it was an interesting case. And it took them about three or four goes from memory, but they did win. Now, admittedly, that wasn't in a US court, but you would imagine where that would be. But has that been considered, do you think, just to move the discussion back to the Premier Golf League for a moment, this notion of releases from the PGA Tour, yeah. how that would stand up in court? 
Well, Stephen Gallagher was quoted, and I, again, I'm, I'm just so far behind on putting things up on my site, and I never know quite what to put up. But now that you've made me, you've made me realize with that case, uh, that this, the story where he's quoted this week from Martin Dempster has just been killing it over there uh, with great stories on this. His view uh, was that he heard the PGA Tours email the players essentially threatened you that if you, once you leave us, you're not coming back. Uh, and the European tour correspondents, he said, did not do that, but he felt like that was where they would eventually go with their stance as well. So, yes, that uh, topic is uh, certainly one that's a big part of this because you could see some scenarios where some players would, would if the schedule of that Premier League got knocked down to what I believe it will be, which is 10 events, um, not 18, at least at the outset, that uh, you could see a Tiger Woods still playing a couple of PGA Tour events, like next week at Riviera, where he's the host. You could see him playing the Memorial, where it fits his schedule or where he wants to be loyal to Jack Nicklaus or whatever. I don't think there are too many, though, but there are a few. And that idea that there's a there's a precedent out there with a case like that would be very interesting because that, you can see where that's that this is where it's headed, is to threaten people with that kind of, of expulsion, essentially, that life ban once you cross the picket line of sorts. Is there, uh, as you're talking there, Shaq, I'm thinking I'd be interested in your thoughts on this too, Clates, and it's a pretty left-field one. There's some correlations here with the America's Cup. Clates, we know what the celebration was like down here when Australia won the America's Cup in 1982. It was the first time in 132 years, a competition that had become an extraordinarily uh, intriguing thing because the Americans had held it for so long once the Australians had won it. The America's Cup has now diminished to essentially, for the outsider, I don't know if it's completely true, a court battle. Is golf in danger of destroying an amazing history by going potentially down this path? This feels to me, Clates, like an incredibly important time in the game. And in 50 or 100 years, people are going to look back at this period and and say it was there was a real nexus for the game. Do you get that sense, or am I being overly dramatic? And is that America's Cup thing in any way? Well, the America's sensible? Cup nine eighty three. Well, eighty three. I mean, sorry. In fact, we, that we, that came up. We were talking about that in the practice around the America's Cup. I was explaining to someone about what happened, and uh, what I you know that was a hugely important thing in Australia. That and we everyone hated the New York Yacht Club or whoever they were that ran it. And they broke, you know, they changed all the rules to keep the thing and they'd kept it forever. And Australia finally beat them. And then, does anyone care about the America's Cup anymore? I mean, uh, you know, unless you're a sailing aficionado, I wouldn't even have a clue when it's on. I have no interest in it. I don't even know if it still exists. Yeah, it was a massive story. I mean, it would have been better if America had kept cheating and kept hanging on to it forever. (laughs) I've got that on tape, Clates. I'm going to cut that out, that clip. (laughs) Yeah. But once Australia won it, the rules kept changing, the boat kept changing. Dennis Connor was gone. It was just, it just kind of lost its romance, like, didn't it? I mean, I don't know. I'm not. That's, well, but, that'd be my take on it, too. Yes. Absolutely. You know, as, as much as we might dislike what the PGA Tour do at times, it's still got to be the dominant tour in the game, doesn't it? I would think. I don't know. I can't imagine a scenario where the Premier Golf League makes the game better for anybody apart from the managers who get rich off the percentages. Mm. I'm also in that camp. Shaq, am I being overly dramatic? Is this as an important time in the game as perhaps the game's ever faced? I think so. But when you combine uh, the, the, the equipment and you, you throw in this uh, notion of professional golf and where it's at, and it's, uh, I think, a, uh, an inflated sense of, of uh, self – and where the players have become bigger than the game in, in, in a lot of ways. And are, I think that's ultimately at the heart of all this. Don't you, Clates? said that, that we've seen the, the players elevated to a level that's irrational and the decision's going to be, um, uh, yeah, are we going to go down that route? Is that a good idea or not? And I, I think it's a terrible idea and, and uh, mm. not for the, the overall health of the sport. And, and the, tour, the PGA Tour... I mean, you can say what you want about the Premier League uh, because we don't know a whole lot. But from what I've seen, they are, yeah, they're going to make a whole bunch of players rich and they're going to emph- tell you who the stars are in their mindset if they're able to get them. But I've also seen a lot of things in their thinking that are about 
the uh, not making it where the players are bigger than the sport. And the PGA Tour, to me, their attitude on the distance issue, their attitude on a lot of things toward uh, sponsors, fans, media, uh, uh, other partners, is that these players are just bigger than all of us, and they must be treated a certain way. They're bigger than the they're they're bigger than the rules. They're bigger than the sport, and that's uh, terrible, dangerous. It's dumb. Yeah. It's a dumb business <laughs> uh, way uh, way to kind of uh, run things. I, I just so I'm I think it's a hugely important time, and I don't think it'll ever be the same because of what's gone on with these two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that at the I think that's the good news that these. That the the distance thing and the the Premier Golf League will, no matter what you think, for uh, ever alter the 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 path of the sport. I don't know if it'll how positive it'll be, but I think it'll probably be positive. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a rules official this week at uh, from the European Tour down here. I said, "What's the tour like now?" He just looked at me and said, "It's a lot different than it used to be." So, you know, I won't add to what he said, but. The illusion, well, the impression was that it was a much better place than we we're all playing, and it's all about you know young men with a lot of money inevitably think they're way more important than they really are, and they get a huge sense of arrogant entitlement to everything. And well, we you know, we in the press, Clates, don't assist, do we? Because we see this with football here in Australia. I think particularly with the AFL and the NRL here in Australia, we tell these young guys in their early 20s, we give them a whole beach of mo- bunch of money and then tell them that they're different and special, that they're better than the rest of us. And there's no great surprise that they take that on board and become unconscionable, entitled prats, is there? <laughs> no surprise at all. You know, it's a bad combination. You know, there's huge wealth at a very young age without being perhaps wise enough to realise that you know, you're not that important and you know, having a lot of money doesn't make you a better person than someone who doesn't have a whole lot of money. But, you know, it's a very rarefied world with private jets and big cars and million-dollar incomes and, yep. you know, it's, it's not surprising. But, but, but the, you know, as my mate said, he said the tour was a much better place and we we're all playing it. When, in fact, no one made – yeah, in fairness, it's not a better place in the sense that we all played not many of us ever made much money out of it. But, you know, these guys are making a decent living out of it now, but it, it, it's a, it, it creates its own set of problems. Yeah, money's often part of a solution, but it's, it, it almost invariably it's a double-edged sword. It creates as many problems as it solves. Last two things, Shaq. There seems to be a strong sense on Twitter. As I said, I haven't had enough time to really engage in this a lot because we've been working down here at the Vic Open, but there's a sense that... Yeah. And I think Lucas Herbert, I asked Lucas Herbert in his pre-tournament press conference whether he'd read the inside report. He hadn't. We know that he's had a different stance to us uh, on this stuff. There seems to be a feeling among a lot of people that the ball can't go any further anyway. It's reached its parameters. They're not going to be able to do anything to make it. Why would you go through all this nonsense? So that's one. And two is probably a bigger question and well, certainly one without a definitive answer. Um, as we were talking about all this stuff with the PGA Tour, it makes me wonder whether Jay Monaghan might be the wrong man at the wrong time for the game. Would we have seen – we never saw this stance from the PGA Tour quite this aggressively under Fincham. I can't believe I'm saying it. Uh, under Tim Fincham. So you can take those in whatever order you like, but I, I think that second one's a very big question that won't have a definitive answer, obviously. Well, let's start with the ball having reached its limit argument, um, and I, I would welcome Clates' view on this, but – the, the the discussion that I, I never quite understand on that is, okay, it's reached its limit. We've heard this from companies. They can't do any more. And we have rules in place that were designed to to uh, protect golf courses and to keep skill intact, and, and those aren't working. So if the rules are still in place, are you then opposed to the current rules? Would you like to see more innovation, or would you – uh, be open to the idea of if it's hit this this wall and can't there's no more room for innovation, then what's so awful about going a little bit backwards uh, to help all these other factors and restore some elements of skill and restore the importance of strategy on the course and all that? So I've never quite understand that way to say this. That's a reason not to do anything because we've reached this limit. I, I it's just 
strange to me. I, uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, to me, it's as silly as the argument that if we change the rules on the ball, that the companies, that there's going to be a whole bunch of money lost. Well, in fact, what you do is create, right, a, cre- yeah. you create a second market. <laughs> premium equipment that you can flog for much more than what you flog the current. And there's enough people out there. We know that equipment companies have spent a lifetime uh, mastering the art of convincing us we need stuff that we don't. Clates, what's your take on that notion? I think I know the quote you're going to go straight for when people tell us that the ball goes as far as it could ever possibly go. There is no more tech left to be found. Well, I know, I think it was Cal- a friend of mine went to the RNA Rules and Evidence meeting in 1998 and I said, he came back and I said, what did they say about the ball? And he said, they told us it can't go any further. And I said, and you believed them? Yeah, I mean, clear. And, and perhaps, they, perhaps they can't make the ball, they can't make the ball go any further, but players will make it go further. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cameron, you know, as we said before, if history is any guide from Ted Ray onwards, the freak in one generation was always the norm in the next. And why is that going to change? So why isn't Cameron Champ going to be the norm 15 years from now? Of course he will be. He'll be the norm ten years from now. Yeah, that's right. So whilst whilst the ball may the players will make it go further. And what's the quote that the I wanted to hear? Points, so, sorry, as the report points to, the driver's not even at forty eight inches yet. Right, and, and that's a limit. So, at some point, someone's going to. I mean, Brooke Henderson plays with a forty eight inch driver, albeit she's three inches down the shaft. So I'm not sure why she's doing it, but anyway, you know, there's a forty eight inch driver yet to come and. She's only, she's only 52 inches tall, so that really yeah. is that extra. <laughs> what did Mackenzie say about science, Clates? Well, well, of course, yeah, the, 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 there is no limit to science. Yeah, so um, he was right about that. Yeah, he certainly proved right uh, up to this point. What about that second question, Shaq? It's a probably well, a more difficult um, one, and but I don't know. Is it important? Am I overplaying the importance? I don't know. It feels to me like a, the head of the PGA Tour has got a very, very important role to play in the game over the next five to ten years. He does, and I, uh, I I thought he was the right person for the job. I still do in a lot of ways, but back to our topic of the, the players are bigger than the game, what's become apparent is that while he may not agree with that, he uh, his job title, his job uh, description, and his job is to is structured in a way to to cater to the players and to do everything possible to give them more opportunities and more money to play for. Uh, his job is not to uh, do what's best for the sport. And so that's the PGA Tour's problem of having made their commissioner responsible for that and that only, really. And Fincham, uh, for as strange as we thought he was, did carry an air about him that put a little bit of fear I think into people because he was a little mysterious. You couldn't quite read him. He was he was smart, careful with his words, and he did have a fundamental respect for the governing bodies and a and a fundamental business understanding that the PGA Tour just did not want to get in the rules business. That it was great having somebody else deal with that. Um, and I think Jay shares all those views, but for different reasons because he's probably a more accessible person a more uh, less careful in terms of, of of his of how he speaks he is also more vulnerable though to this this sort of snowball effect of the players just getting bigger and bigger and more powerful and having to manage so many um, uh, moving pieces that I don't know who could handle this role but um, and yet what's what's discouraging obviously for a lot of us is that he 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 has a history in the sport with his family. I mean, I just saw a tweet. He's inexplic- inexplicably he's playing the Pebble Beach Pro Am this week, which I think this would have been a year probably to just <laughs> Maybe, to be out there yeah. as a spectator. Myself, <laughs> yes. that's just my view. There's yeah. a few moving parts right now that. Uh-huh. But anyway, I mean, it's an event where you there are a lot of important people there, and he's able to speak to him. But his his grandfather played in the U.S. Amateur at Pebble Beach, made it to the second round of match play. Um, he loves the sport. Dad loves the sport. He he knows a lot about it, um, but he uh, is he's just dealing with a lot of things here. And ultimately, the people he reports to and who pay him um, demand some things, and he's not able for various reasons to 
to uh, guide them in the right direction, it, it appears. And that's what's a little bit scary. But my view is that I, I, I don't think they're, uh, they have the upper hand and the leverage in, in a lot of these discussions right now. So he's going to have to make some, some changes, which um, isn't all bad, by the way, in, in changing their stances on some things. No, that, yeah, that's right. There are certainly some some positives to come up. Personally, if they open up to a vote, I vote for Clates to be the commissioner of the PGA Tour. No, uh, don't do that. And the czar of no, golf. No. It wouldn't be the most sensible decision I'd one. ever made, Clates, no. but it would make me feel no. good. It would make the heart feel good. You'd be like the jet, decision, though. No. The jet's nice, Clates. <laughs> <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> a nice perk. Be a way to get around. Let's wrap it up there. There's uh, This is not the last time we'll discuss this, I'm sure. Uh, there'll be plenty more to come in the coming weeks as various people, including Jay Monaghan and the PGA Tour, start to crystallise what their position is, and there'll be lots to talk about when that happens. But, Clates, I will see you out at the golf course in probably the next half hour or 40 minutes. I think, what time are you off today? 12.40 or something? So We're off late, but I'm going to go and watch Sue O play this morning, so... She needs to get her skates on after shooting 73 yesterday. So. Yeah, very much so. Two laps of the course right. for you today. He's, he's, a, yep. he's unbelievable, Shaq. And I can tell you this. He, he caddies in the morning. You go walk the course with him in the afternoon. You can't keep up. And he's t- <laughs> he's he's 12 years older than me. You can't keep up with him. He's amazing, Clates. Uh, great to have your company, Clates. Appreciate that. Thanks, mate. See you out there. Yeah, see you out there. And, Jeff, it would be great if we were going to see you out there. Unfortunately, we won't. You must come to this event. At some point, you've got to build some sort of schedule. You would love it down here. It's fantastic. Jeff Ogilvie has been in fine form this week. I'm sure you've seen his press conferences. He's very much at home. Wrote a piece for the LPGA, I note, today as well. So uh, worth having a Yeah, first-person piece. Just a lot of the stuff he said at the press conferences, but uh, good of him to lend his support to that. So, uh, Well, just quickly, Rob, Jeff, did you post the potential of a mixed World Cup? I did. uh, You and Murray... Yeah, you and Murray was the first person I saw reported that of a of a. It wasn't clear what the format would be. I'm I'm guessing it's a mixed teams event. Uh, you know, male female from the U.S., male female from China, et cetera, et cetera. I'm assuming that's what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's time we had a great mixed team. Oh, be great. I mean, does I mean, it need to be match play, Clates? Does it have yeah, to be match well, play? I think it does. Yeah, it does? Um, no, that's, really? that's what the pre- that's what the president's yeah. cup should be. It should be six yeah. men and six women. It'd be amazing that tournament with six men. It'd be brilliant. Uh, I think it'll be Don't a stroke play. <laughs> oh, I would love that, but I think just for obvious reasons, uh, it seems like the World Cup it more likely would be a stroke play event. I agree. That's more likely. Way, but what I think a, a president's cup or Ryder cup style match mixed match play well, that's, event yeah, would, yeah, would, would, be would be Nirvana. Great. I think that'd that's be fantastic. That's what the Olympics should be. Yeah. yeah. It, ex- that's exactly right. That's what the Olympics should be. And just interesting on that note, down here this week, the women's field this week, Clates, is unbelievable, isn't it? You walk past the putting green and the chipping green and the practice range, add up the majors that are on the course this week. And of course, Shaq, it's all because the single most difficult team in any sport, any code, anywhere in the world to get a place is the Korean women's Olympic golf team. It would have to be the most competitive. So they're all here in an Olympic year. So we've uh, we've done well. So it's been terrific to watch all of that. Uh, for the second time, we'll say goodbye. Thanks, Clayton. Okay. No more from you. It's Thanks, done. Mate. And thank you, Jeff. Always great to talk to you and uh, looking forward to catching up again soon. Same here. Thanks, guys. Episode 102, epic episode of State of the Game in the books. We'll be back to do it all again, I think, pretty soon here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a Talk and Golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.